Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Freaking first cut. Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and we are going through the board DFS style for this week's Wells Fargo Championship. Plenty to discuss, and joining me to do just that, Sia Najad is here. Sia, welcome in. Like the tournament, like the venue, I think this is going to be, and, and you know, the, the player pool, there's, there's some hidden talent in here. I'm really excited about this tournament, and for the record, this is pretty much near where I grew up. I didn't grow up in Potomac, Maryland, but in a city and town pretty much adjacent to it. So uh, I don't know. Maybe that'll help my DFS game this week. Who knows? I hope it does. The hometown narrative. We're already off and running. Greg Ducharme is here. Greg, this is a fun one. You and I were saying just before we went hot, we have just enough information on this course to be dangerous. Yeah, you feel like you know what... Last week, there was a little discrepancy for me, right? I I know you love distance. It panned out that way. I was a little between distance and more of like the solid ball striker. This week, I feel like we know what it it takes because we do have just just enough history. Some of the guys have played here already. We have a, a really good idea. And I think it's a fun replacement course because we do know a little bit about it. And then you look at the board, and man, if you're a team no putt fan, I think this might be the week for you. Uh, I, I certainly am a team no putt fan. Yes, I do fall into that category. Okay, let's set the stage here, gentlemen. I'll share my screen. This is from my website, rickrungood.com. And we are not going to Quail Hollow for the Wells Fargo Championship because that will be reserved for the President's Cup later this year. So, Sia, we are going to TPC Potomac. And as I mentioned, we know just enough. There has been uh, there have been two events, two events: the Quicken Loans National in 2018, Quicken Loans National in 2017, where we saw TPC Potomac in all its glory. How would you begin to assess this golf course? Well, I think the conventional wisdom here is is going to bear out, which is please be accurate off the tee, and you know you're going to have some long long irons coming in. You have some small greens, so. We're really looking for accurate hitters, uh, guys who are obviously good with the approach game, but that doesn't really change week to week. We're always kind of looking for that. Um, we talked before we went on about putting and, and whether or not we're going to be on, you know, sort of team no putt or not. I think the three of us, generally speaking, tend to be on that team no putt side. And when I see that a previous winner here was Kyle Stanley, the mm. guy we kind of jokingly sort of bring up as a play here and there, or maybe it's just me that does that. I, I think that lends – and that's just one guy, so I'm not going to create a narrative behind just a Kyle Stanley win, but it does lend itself to the idea that if you can just stay with accurate ball strikers and guys who maybe aren't that great at putting but are really good everywhere else, for example, like bogey avoidance – um, you know, greens and regulation, things of that nature off the tee, then that might be the player to pick this week. 
Yeah, Kyle Stanley won the Quicken Loans National in 2017. Francesco Molinari won it in 2018. Greg, I only have two years worth of data, obviously, but in my model that I run, it bears out that driving accuracy is more important here than any other course on the PGA Tour schedule this year. And when you start to go back and read some of the quotes, uh, the last time we were at TPC Potomac, and you start to look at the the media data, you know, what they give us access to. And, and you look at three and a half inch, uh, you know, Kentucky bluegrass in the rough. Like, I, I think it's going to be fairly penal if you're not playing out of the fairway. It also sounds like it might be thick, uh, might be wet, might be a little soggy on the weekend, uh, a little cold. And when you have that three and a half inch rough, it may grow. It may grow significantly through the week and get pretty long. Uh, and then just out of the rough, you have some, you know, woods to deal with some thick trees. It's not really a recovery kind of course. So you have to keep the ball in play. The advantage is, and the thing I find very interesting about driving accuracy percentage here is I think you can club down a lot. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of less than driver opportunities. So I, I'm not necessarily looking at just the uh, at just the driving accuracy percentage of players, but I do want to know that when when guys have you know when they're hitting a long iron into the green, greens are regulation. You look at a stat like that. Greens are regulation, strokes gained approach, strokes gained off the tee. You kind of combine those kind of things, and you get an idea of what kind of control a player has over their golf ball. And I think there's a lot of guys like that in this field, and some of them are very fairly priced. Uh, yes, because if you look at, yes, when you start looking at like accuracy, they tend to be the shorter hitters. The shorter hitters tend to only have like five spots on tour where things go well for them. So they generally are, are pretty cheap. See, ya. they generally have longer odds. So I, I think there's plenty of value to be had. We're just going to have to figure out where they piece together in the rest of the board and how we can best allocate that value. That's the thing. Like, if you remember last week, I wasn't on Team Rom, unfortunately for me, because I just hated how my lineup construction looked with Rom in the lineup because I really didn't like the 6K range, for example. And, you know, some of the ranges I just wasn't fond of. Here, I mean, if you want to play like a guy like Rory or a couple guys up top, I think, like Greg said, there are so many guys that are fairly priced at whether it's the 7K range or 8K, 9K. You can kind of make whatever lineup you like because some of those guys are in play. So I think my advice here would be make the lineup you want. But just like last week, beware, maybe more than than ever, um, or at least be as much aware as you were last week of ownership, because I think there are going to be some guys that people gravitate to. And I, that doesn't mean don't play those guys, but be very cognizant of some of those high owned players that are in there and have some lineups that pivot off of those guys onto some of these, these lesser guys that, that might play just as well because this is golf, but are, are going to be maybe one fourth the ownership. It is a par 70, Greg, which uh, should help keep the winning scores in check. I guess that doesn't really matter in terms of fantasy scoring because whoever scores the most points like that, that that's how it's going to work. It doesn't matter if the winning score is one under or 21 under, uh, but Kyle Stanley won this, I believe it's seven under par. And then Frankie Bolinari won it at 21 under, but he was eight shots better than everybody else. So like, if I make you guess the winning score here on a Monday afternoon, where do you think you end up? 
Oh, I mean, even if you look at some, they've had like some senior events here and it seems to be high single digits. I think we get into the low double digits this week. Uh, It sounds like it's going to be soft. I I think it'll still play difficult, but with the softer conditions, I wouldn't be surprised to see a, you know, a 13 under win, something in that range, uh, 12, somewhere between, you know, probably 12 and 14 under would be, um, would be my guess. And look, that means you don't have to fill it up on the greens. You avoid mistakes. Uh, you, you hit some good shots and give yourself a lot of looks and, and you can tally it up that far. You start making mistakes. It, it could be really difficult to, um, I, you know, I don't think there's going to be a huge birdie bogey spread from the guys near the top. I, I think you got to play a con, uh, rather conservative strategy this week. All right, well, we will dive into that strategy. We'll start with the 10K golfers, but we are first going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain? Those numbers do not add up to me, and I know it can be confusing, the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple, and that's where Superfeet comes into play. These Superfeet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most, and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking a a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. It's a really fine line creating workout clothes that are great in the gym and workout clothes that are also great to look at outside the gym. And Viore has threaded that needle. They are designed to work out in, but they don't look like it. They don't feel like it. And it's incredibly comfortable stuff, whether you are running, training, swimming, doing yoga, running errands, lounging around the house. It really doesn't matter. These are versatile clothes. You'll find me often in the men's Sunday performance jogger because I I like the jogger situation that goes on down at the bottom, but they're very comfortable. Uh, They've got a little bit of a shorter inseam, so they're not as bulky as as other pants or other joggers that I have seen out there. And I've really enjoyed how they work both in and out of the gym. So now here's what you can do for four our listeners. Uh, First time purchasers are getting 20% off. All you have to do is go to viori.com slash first. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash first. Again, not only will you receive 20% off your first order, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. And here's my favorite part, free returns. Yeah, go check it out. Viori.com slash first and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. And we are back now. Before we jump into uh, this player pool, reminder that the fan one and done, the voting, the form is in the link. You can you can go vote right now. Go get it in because come Tuesday morning when we go live for the uh, Mega Preview Pod, uh, we will be locking those votes in. So make sure you get your golfer for this week and maybe some of those 
Potential options, CL are Rory McIlroy, $11,500. Tony Finau, 10-6. Abraham Answer, 10-4. Corey Connors is $10,100. And Matt Fitzpatrick rounds out the five golfers above $10,000. How should we best allocate our funds this week? Yeah, obviously a lot of good options here. This this might come down again to ownership, although I think a lot of these guys are going to carry some ownership percentage for, for really good good reasons frankly the two i like the best are probably rory mcelroy and Corey connors again those are two that are probably going to be pretty popular especially Corey connors i just think Corey connors in particular is just such a good course fit he's going to keep it in the fairway um so, some of the times when he has struggles with the short game it shouldn't really crush him here so for me it's connors and, and i see we're bringing up roy mcelroy here there's not a ton of argument to be had against Rory McIlroy, and especially when you consider the fair pricing here, it, it certainly makes sense to have Rory as a, as a part of your squad. Yeah, Rory is technically our defending champion. Obviously, that was at Quail Hollow, so I wouldn't put uh, too much emphasis on that. The good news is, though, Greg, that uh, Rory McIlroy, very good golfer at lots of courses all around the world. And here I'm showing uh, Corey Connors. He's just phenomenal off the tee. He's excellent on, on approach. I agree with Sia. He will be very popular this week. Is that good chalk or bad chalk? Oh, I think I think it's good chalk. Um, I, I'm not sure Corey Connors is going to win this week, which maybe allows some opportunity to pivot based on his price. But I think he's an extremely safe guy in your lineup. He's he's an extremely safe option. I I don't see this going poorly for him by any stretch of the imagination. It, it's a great course fit. There's no reason not to play him other than lineup construction. Maybe uh, maybe ownership steers you away. And I, I do think there are options to pivot. I think Matt Fitzpatrick is a great option. This golf course seems perfect for a Matt Fitzpatrick. So I love that play. I also, I love the Tony Finau play. I, I think Tony Finau last week uh, really got something going on the greens on the weekend. That could be a really positive sign. And at, at the same time, he's been hitting the ball great for a long time. And when you watch a guy, I mean, he had two rounds last week where he, he led the field in strokes gain approach the green. He was flagging it. I look at his driving distance and Tony Finau's driving distance is down a little bit this year. I don't know if that's because he's clubbing up off the tee. Like he hasn't been on TV that often. I don't know if he's clubbing down off the tee. If his speeds go, it doesn't seem like his speeds going down. So I, I think he may be um, adopting a little more of a conservative style that could really benefit him here. So I, I love Finau and Fitzpatrick as pivot plays to Rory and Connors, but really all four of them are great options. And this is one of those situations where I think you could build the rest of your lineup and come back to this range later and, and choose the guy that fits best price-wise because they really, I'm, I'm not crazy about Abraham answer, even though he has a great start here in the past. I don't, I don't think he's hitting it that great right now. Uh, so he might be the one guy that that gets left out for me. But um, any, any of these guys can play, and this comes down to construction at the end. So it might be my last stop. Uh, that's, in that's an interesting way to do it. I am actually uh, quite smitten with Matt Fitzpatrick. He lost 3.2 strokes putting the last time we saw him. His miscut at the RBC Heritage, second worst putting week uh, ever in his entire career. I doubt that that happens again. And he's been basically phenomenal. Otherwise. Okay. See ya. Well, uh, Greg, 
doesn't mind filling this place out last as long as he doesn't get stuck with Abe answer. Uh, is there a case to be made for Abe? Is is this kind of a, a momentum building week for Tony Finau? How about some of these guys in the middle of the 10K range? It's going to be so interesting to see how many people jump on Tony Finau because – I mean, he really was, other than, you know, a couple bad days of putting, he was absolutely, you know, vintage. I, would, I don't even want to say vintage. The, the Tony Finau that, like, over the last few years that we've all kind of talked about, like, that's kind of who he was last week, last weekend at the Mexico Open, especially on Sunday. So I sort of get the Tony Finau argument, but I don't think I'm going to get to Tony Finau ultimately. I think he's a fine play. I just know that unless his ownership happens to be low, which I don't think is going to be the case, I, I don't think I'm going to jump aboard. Um, I still think there's some potential volatility in his game, but I definitely think he's a good course fit. I'd probably prefer Rory and Corey Connors, like I said at the outset. But if I had a third place, it would probably be Tony Finau over Abraham Answer and Matt Fitzpatrick. Mm, okay, well, I think we are... I think we've got this whole thing covered. I like Fitzpatrick probably more than most of these guys. Rory, is Rory just going to do the ROM thing, Greg, and just go out and just like run this? I know it's not Quail Hollow, but he drives the ball great, although maybe he doesn't get to use driver as often. Uh, He's still putting up good results and he's losing strokes putting. Do we just find a week where Rory gains two strokes with the putter and he wins this thing? I mean, it's possible. <laughs> I guess the the one concern, and this is a mild concern, I, I think he can still compete, but I feel like at this golf course, one of his great advantages is going to be limited a little bit. I, I don't think this is the kind of golf course where you can just air it out off the tee. Yeah. I mean, you remember Tiger playing here. Uh, he had a nice finish the year Francesco won in 2018, and he was it was a lot of irons off the tee a lot of positional golf and it's not that Rory can't play that way. It's just, it, it takes away a huge advantage for him, which is his ability to just air it out off the tee. And I wonder if that gets taken away and just that, that little, you know, at the same time, I should say that on the positive side, his short game has been incredible. And when Rory was really winning major championships and contending and everything he played in, he was really, really good in in the short game. His scrambling was very much underrated. So I, I think there are a lot of positive signs for Rory McIlroy. It's just does his biggest advantage get taken away a little bit this week? Can the rest of his game back him up? I, uh, yes, it can. Will it? It's a different question. When you got guys like Connors and Fitzpatrick and Finau, uh, behind him in this range. I'm not afraid of a pivot playoff or Rory, uh, but at the same time, I, I, I think Rory could have a great week. Let's jump down to this $9,000 range because I find this to be fascinating. See, uh, Terrell Hatton starts us off at 9900 Mark Leishman is 97 with Keegan Bradley at 96 Then there's a $300 gap to Russell Henley at 9300 with Gary Woodland and Patrick Reed rounding out the rest of the $9,000 range. I think there are some... Really intriguing options here. Uh, how do we start to separate one from another? Well, it's a little bit of sticker shock with Keegan Bradley at 9,600, but I certainly like him. Again, if we're just going on course fit and and being an, an accurate golfer, uh, particularly, you know, off the tee, and the fact that, you know, if you're on team no putt, Keegan is certainly going to make sense. But the thing about Keegan is his putting is actually kind of decent now, whereas, you know, if we were talking about him six months ago, we would have been talking about him almost in the context of a Kyle Stanley, for example. So, I mean, 
not great, but there's some there's some if you look at what he was doing, for example, at the front end of the year compared to what he's doing now, it actually looks pretty decent for him. So I think Keegan Bradley is a guy I definitely have my eye on. I think he's also going to be popular. So it's kind of a watch out. If he is popular, that that's a guy I'm going to be more willing to pivot off of rather than, for example, a Corey Connors, for example. Um, other than that, Henley's an interesting one. You would think he'd be a good course fit. Doesn't have good history here in terms of when it was actually played at Avenel. And frankly, just hasn't been very good lately. Um, the long iron game doesn't look good either. So even though it seems like he'd be a good course fit, I just don't see it from him. The one guy I'm actually considering here who hasn't been super impressive lately, he was my one and done last week, it's Gary Woodland. I think mm. especially on a course where when Greg brought up the idea of, of clubbing down, um, I think that really plays into Gary Woodland's weakness really is pulling out the driver sometimes and just kind of spraying it. But uh, the off the tee game has been really good lately. The putter has really failed him. But again, A, he's not he's not normally a bad putter. And B, even if he stays a bad putter, that can be cured, I think, here um, at, in Potomac. So I think Gary Woodland is an interesting play. I think he's going to carry relatively low ownership, at least relative to some of the other popular guys that we're going to discuss. There is something interesting, Greg, that happens when you get at someone like Gary Woodland, who was uh, very popular last week, and he finishes T24. And it's just a, just an okay finish. No one was super thrilled about it if you were a big investor of Gary Woodland. And nothing has really changed. And I feel like people are just going to say, all right, well, I'll move on and try somebody else this week. Mm-hmm. It, it. I had this. I saw the pricing come out. I'm looking at it. I'm reading about the course, and I just this terrible, terrible feeling came over me. Like I, I chose the wrong week for Gary Woodland, <laughs> and I was just one week early. I can't believe it. I mean, this it sets up perfect. Now, the one thing that I do have in my favor. This is my own personal. Um, I, I don't want to be a one week late on the guy. My own personal thing is he did miss the cut and his only start here. Mm. Um, so I, I, I think Gary Woodland's going to have a great week and I think it'll be better than what he did last week. And I have a very, very bad feeling that I'm going to be disappointed. So I love Gary Woodland in this range. He makes a ton of sense. I also love Keegan Bradley, but I wanted to uh, talk about Russell Henley a little bit. Um, Casilla mentioned his course history. He played here once he came in tied 46. But when he played here in 2017, he lost five strokes approaching the green, 4.98. And that is not, that's not the Russell Henley of today. When you look at what Russell Henley has done, it's, um, you're talking about six in a row. He's gained in six in a row, uh, eight of not eight, eight of his last nine. It's, it's really been impressive uh, for him, T to green. And he's, he's an accurate driver of the ball too. So I think Russell Henley is a, a guy who makes sense to me. Um, he had a, he had a bad putting week in, in his last start at the RBC heritage, but I, I think he makes a ton of sense too. So between Keegan, who's played great here, I, I guess this is the big question for me because I like Henley and Woodland. I'm fine with playing them, but when it comes to Keegan Bradley, do you think what what you said, see a sticker shock is going to affect ownership at all? Because he he seems to check every box. You, his course history is as good as anybody in this field. Um, he has a he has a tied fifth in his one start in 2017. He's been playing great of late, tied eighth and a fourth in his last two starts, and we know what kind of ball striker he is. 
Yeah, no, I, I don't think the sticker shock is going to keep people from playing him. I, I expect him, I don't think he's going to be like Corey Connors popular, but I expect him to be pretty popular because again, we, and people like to kind of live in, in different tiers. They want to have a 10K guy and then a 9K guy and then they go to whatever. So I, I think when you're, quote, living in this 9K range, which is always going to be a popular range for people to select golfers in, sometimes multiple, I think he's the one that really sticks out. I mean, you, you're looking at, Problem. You can make arguments against Mark Leishman for sure. Uh, Hatton has looked good lately, but frankly, the ball striking hasn't been very good lately. Last three tournaments, he's lost pretty significantly in the ball striking department. That doesn't mean he's not going to play well, but it does mean your standard player is probably going to pivot off of him. And when they see what Russell Henley has done lately in terms of the finishing positions and how ho-hum the finishes have been for Gary Woodland, and then, of course, there's Patrick Reed. So I think when you're in this range, you're just going to, eventually gravitate to Keegan Bradley. Uh, look at Patrick Reed's numbers compared to everyone else in this range. <laughs> losing a half a stroke off the tee, losing a half a stroke on approach. He's like, the. Uh, how long can he be $9,000 for? How long can odds makers be like, oh yeah, Patrick Reed, that's that's the guy we don't want to get burned on. Couldn't you have swapped Webb Simpson for Patrick Reed and nobody would have thought twice about it? Uh, you could have swapped uh, Joel Damon and Patrick Reed, and no one would no one would have batted an eye at it. Well, and, and, but I guess my point is whether it's Webb Simpson or Cameron Young or Matt Kuchar, who's going to set up well. Like there are so many players that could have taken Patrick Reed's spot. It's just very interesting to me that he's like we saw we see what you know Matt Wolf. He's down to I believe seven K. Like it's just interesting to me that Patrick Reed is, is is still living up here. It's I don't I don't I really can't explain it. He should be seventy nine hundred at this point. Yeah. Well, I, I think there's a few reasons why. One win um, win equity would be his win equity is as high as almost anybody. He has the ability to. Now I have the same concerns as you guys. I just I think from from a price setting perspective. His ability to win tournaments when he gets in the in the mix is higher than than most players. I mean, it's it's right up there in this field. So that's always a a concern. And then you also his finishing positions are a lot better than his ball striking would indicate. Where Tony Finau is on except except for last week, uh, kind of doing exactly the opposite. So we, when we analyze that, we say, okay, well, Finau's heading in the right direction. Reed's heading in the wrong direction. But they're finishing in very, very similar positions. But you have a tied 26, 26, 35th, tied 42nd. You feel like, okay, it's better than he's hitting it. He's hitting it terribly. And it has been for a while. But maybe there's, maybe there's something coming around on Reed. I, I don't know. But I'm not playing him. Well, Greg, at least we appreciate you use, using golf facts in your analysis of Patrick <laughs> Reed. Always, always fun. Uh, I, I like that. Gentlemen, let's move on down to the $8,000 range. Uh, but before we do so, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. 
Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. And we're back. 8,000. Little baby range. Paul Casey, 8,800. Sergio Garcia, 87. Max Homa, 2019 champion. Quail Hollow, 8,600. Siwoo Kim, 84. Seamus Power, 83. Jason Day, Webb Simpson, Cam Young rounded out at 82, 81, and $8,000 flat. Uh, Greg, I'm just going to kick it right back to you. Another small range. There are some savvy vets here. There are some guys that could be X factors for the week. What do you see in the $8,000 range? I see a lot of guys that kind of fit the model here, which is which is great. Um, you look at what Max Homa has done approaching yeah. the green and off the tee. It's been fan- absolutely fantastic. I mean, he he's becoming very familiar with the team no putt camp, um, and and I think I'd like to think he can putt a little better than that and and contend in this week. We also, I mean, we haven't seen that. Yeah. You see what, what you were just moving your mouse over. Right. He doesn't go for that long putting poorly. He tends to pop up and kind of end the streak, right? Every mm-hmm. once in a while, it, he, it doesn't go for a year in a row. Um, so I, I, I kind of smell a good Max Homa putting week and we know what that means. That means um, he's a really good play. So I think he's somebody that, you don't want to keep out of your lineup this week. I think Siwoo Kim is something brewing with his ball striking right now, too. He's gained strokes in his last four events approaching the green. He's had some okay finishes, and he's he looks to me to be ready for a, a ceiling week. You think of a difficult kind of golf course like this, um, conditions maybe, uh, they, they might suit him this week. Uh, and I really like what he's done off the tee. So I, I think he's a very fair play. And then Lastly, I'll say uh, Seamus Power, who has me worried a little bit because I think he's going to be very popular. But it feels like he's getting back to the Seamus Power before the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am, where he was he made some real change in his ball striking. He became a very good ball striker. And then after losing that lead, it kind of went sideways for him, and he, he stopped performing at that level. But I think he's getting back on the horse. He's starting to play Seamus Power kind of golf again, and it feels like this is a great setup week for him. Yeah, Seamus Power, uh, very accurate off the tee. Max Homa, uh, as Greg alludes to, does not go long without pop putting weeks. And when he does pop with the putter, it, it generally results in a top 10 finish. Okay, Sia, we've got a couple of savvy vet ball strikers in Paul Casey and Sergio Garcia. What else would you like to kind of take out of this uh, $8,000 range? Yeah, I, I definitely like Sergio Garcia for one. I mean, the, especially if you're going to emphasize off the tee here, last 50 rounds, he rates out number one there. Um, Green's in regulation. He's top five. He's get sand saves because there, there will be uh, some bunker play here. He rates out really well there. And the putter, you know, it's it's sort of been it's been OK. He's got his bad and good moments. But again, if you're on team no putt, Sergio certainly makes a lot of sense. Uh, the other two guys I like. And as we look at it now, yeah, the approach game was wow. That that was quite bad until the masters but we know him at classically as a great ball striker so i'm not necessarily going to hold that stretch against him 
normally I would, but with Sergio's pedigree, I, I'm just not going to do that. So uh, I like Sergio. I like Webb Simpson. I think Webb Simpson's interesting mostly because of his price and because he's likely, likely, and I could be wrong here, a pivot off of a guy like Cameron Young, who, by the way, I also like. Those are the other two guys I like. So the, the Webb's interesting. You have to make the decision or you have to decide, okay, is Webb going to pick his game back up? Because if the answer is yes, I think this is a pretty good course fit, especially when you consider he's a solid ball striker traditionally and his long iron play actually hasn't been that bad as of late when you're looking at like the proximities 175 and above the putter has really been bad for him but again it's Webb Simpson I think he can come back from that I just love the fact that he's 8100 I think that's a pretty good value for a guy I admittedly am trying to get in early on uh, I want to talk about Cam Young here, Greg, and I'm glad that Sia brought him up because when you've got a, a rookie like this, uh, we spend a lot of time trying to figure out what they're going to be. And when I start looking through Cam Young's stat profile and see three top three finishes, one at Sanderson Farms, one at Riviera, one at Harbortown, uh, that's that's some different styles of golf that you're finding success at. I think that's a pretty... Pretty compelling case that he's going to be a a, a darn good player. Yes, uh, he is absolutely. And I was uh, having a conversation earlier and made the same point. The the versatility. I mean, you you think of him as a bomber, right? Because yeah. he is. Uh, he he straight up moves it. But then you see that finish at the RBC Heritage, and it's like, okay, well, and and Sanderson Farms is the same. It, it, maybe he's got a little more to his game than just his. Uh, than, than just the long drives off the tee. So he's very interesting. His approach play seems to be a weakness, but at times it shows up and actually performs pretty nice. So I think he has the ability to go out and shoot scores. And and this could be a great setup for that. Uh, again, maybe one of those situations where his advantage is taken away a little bit, where that, that distance is uh, limited to a degree. Even though we have some really long holes out here, I, I think all in all, distance is not going to be uh, a, a pre prerequisite here. So I, I don't quite know what to do with Cam Young. I love the talent level. Uh, I love the price. I just feel like there are a couple of other guys in this range and in the range right below him that that might be better fits for me. Mm. Hey, hey, Rick, you want to hear? So you always talk about the buckets in the context of you, you yeah. don't really like them that much because how is somebody so, so much worse, you know, one or two yards, you know, beyond let's say 200, right. for example. So looking at Cameron, Cameron Young, the last 50 rounds and, and to be fair, maybe we shouldn't be looking at Cameron Young 50 rounds, but 175 to 200, he's 119th in this field, 200 plus 12th. Yeah. So he, you know what I mean? It's just, he doesn't, he doesn't he, know how to hit from 198, but from 202, he's the man. Right, exactly. So. He loves his loves his five iron, but he can't hit a six. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so funny. I don't know how much you want to read into that. You know, the sand saves aren't very good for him, and frankly, the greens and regulation aren't. He, but but that that sort of volatility and that sort of randomness round around because he has some really pop rounds and he has some really bad rounds, particularly on approach. I think that's almost consistent in terms of what you'd see from a, a rising rookie. I mean, not everybody's going to be Colin Morikawa and Hovland and just like be good from the time they get on the PGA tour. So I think, uh, I think the volatility with Cameron Young is, you know, it's, it's either going to kill you or it's going to help you win a GPP. Uh, round by round volatility. Sounds like he's going to make your short list of first round leaders later. Let's see. 
Yeah, actually, he's the first name on there, there you go. at 40 to 1. <laughs> we'll get to those in just a second. Let's go to the 7K range here. This is where like, we've had small ranges everywhere else. This is where it gets massive, so I'm not going to read them all off. But at the top end of the range, Aaron Rye, Matt Kuchar, Doug Gim, Johnny Vegas, Keith Mitchell. Then it goes down to uh, Brandon Grace, Doc Redman, Grayson Sig, the aforementioned Matthew Wolf, Nate Lashley, who played well. It's actually played quite well the last couple of weeks. Greg, uh, your call. O- o- open slate. Anywhere you want to go. Hey, well, real, I, real quick. I'm sorry. Yeah. I think Johnny Vegas may have withdrawn. When I was trying to put in lineups before the show, I saw he was out. Okay. Well, I, I can confirm that. Go ahead, Greg, and I'll, I'll find out about Johnny Vegas. So I, I wrote down in this range 10 names. That I think are are very are very playable. Ten names. There's that many guys that fit, and and there's probably more that I'm leaving off. Just but just for the sake of space and to actually help you make a, a decision here, I, we got to limit it to a degree. But I like Aaron Rye. I like Kevin Streelman. Lonto Griffin seems to have something going with his iron play, so I like him. I Matthew Naismith and Sepp Straka maybe my two favorite plays in this range. They're both at seventy six hundred. Um, I, I know you know how I feel about Neesmith and his iron play. We all do here. He is a, a rising star. Sepp Strzok has been hitting the ball beautifully and putting right there too. And then there's some guys who played great at the Zurich and carried it over into last week, like Brandon Wu, uh, David Lipsky, uh, Adam Long has been playing some great golf, Alex Smalley, and Martin Laird. And those those ten names I think are all viable options. They all check boxes. Um, and, and many of them are on team no putt. So I, I guess, like I said, Neesmith and Straka are probably my two favorite here. Um, but if you jump over Brandon Wu, yeah, he's really interesting case to me. Look at, this, it, look at it. 10, yeah. 10 of his first 11 cuts he missed. Yeah. <laughs> but you look at what has happened since some of these yes. events aren't measured, but it's, it's proficiency across the board. The leave out short game. It's he's proficient all the way across the board in every area, and so I, I don't, I, I don't really know if the style is going to fit. But that tells me that this guy's just really good. He's a really good all around player. We haven't figured out what he is yet, like you were talking about with Cam Young, but we know that he can be very good in every area. And so does does this hot streak continue? I I, I think it's a, kind of a, a high-risk play, but there's a lot of upside there. Yeah, after missing 10 of his first 11 cuts, he's now made five in a row, including two top three finishes, including a course record runner-up finish last week. Uh, so maybe getting more comfortable on tour, maybe finding yeah. something in his game for Brandon Wu. I don't know what we want to attribute it to, but... Clearly the best stretch of golf in his young PGA tour career thus far. Uh, yeah. And it's, I mean, it's going to end up keeping it. He's going to have his card, right? You get off to a start like that. And it's yeah. brutal. You had a T three and a, and a uh, tied second in there. And all of a sudden, not only is your confidence guy, high, but you're going to keep your card. I just wanted to see what Lashley has been up to at a flat 7,000. Look at, look at this run from Nate Lashley T seven at Puerto Rico. T27 at Valspar, T15 in Punta Cana, T18 at the Valero, missed the cut at the RBC Heritage, T11 last week in Mexico. Sia, that is, I'll admit, much better than I was anticipating when I clicked his player profile. 
Yeah, I love him. I, I basically lock buttoned him last week, which which obviously paid off. And I got to bring it up again because I'm looking at the proximities again. Tenth, one seventy five to two hundred, and one hundred and twelfth, two hundred plus. I again, just yeah, I just think it's funny. That's but, kind of my issue with this. Yeah, no, I totally get it. But no, I think Nate Lashley is a great play, especially at that price at seven thousand. I mean, we we forget about the the metrics for a second. The finishing positions are you know are to kind of tell you what he's worth at least lately. So I think Lashley is a great play, uh, especially at that range. And it's evidence, by the way that you can play some of these high-end guys or two of these high-end guys and, and really dip down to that 7K, 7,100 range where, for example, Luke List is. I think a lot of people are going to like him for his price because, again, part of team, team no putt but can absolutely ball strike it and tends to actually be better on the shorter courses, ironically enough, because he can get it out there. I think the other 7K guys that I like here, I was going to say Matt Kuchar. Um but it hasn't really been, you know, the, the finishing positions have been pretty good for him, but it's been pretty deceiving because it's been all short game, all putting, all around the green. It's just not necessarily what you're looking for at this course. I still think he's a good course fit, so I, I'm not going to say he's a bad play, but there's really no evidence as of late that the game that you're that's going to be required here, that he's going to pop. He might be okay, but I just don't know that I see his upside. Uh, T2 at the Valero Texas Open, T3 at the RBC Heritage. But as Sia points out, gained over seven strokes putting in each of those, which is basically two of his top 10 putting performances dating back to 2008 in those last two starts, which you worry is a little bit unsustainable. Um, okay, gentlemen, anybody else in the 7K range? You know, you, you've got some good drivers of the golf ball like Johnny Vegas, Keith Mitchell. I could not find Sia, a Johnny Vegas wd update yeah. so that might have mm -hmm. as of now i think he's in yeah i apologize it might have been something from like you know how sometimes DraftKings has some like an old Lakers. sort of withdrawal that's still in there until i guess they get confirmation that he's playing so forgive me on that one Be, uh, for the record i do like johnny vegas quite a bit Let's talk about good ball strikers i think johnny vegas fits this course great he's going to be great off the tee i agree with you keith mitchell is going to be great off the tee the approach game can be spotty but i think he's also a very good course fit I think uh, Greg brought up Straka, who I also like. Matthew Naismith, also like quite a bit. And then I mentioned Liston Laird. Laird is going to be one of those guys that's always going to rate out really well outside of the putter. Uh, and again, uh, that's uh, that's one of those things where I think Kyle Stanley and I think, okay, well, maybe you can survive with you know minus one and a half or two strokes putting like Kyle Stanley did when he won this tournament. David Lipsky Vodka uh, was in the optimal lineup last week, gentlemen. Finished sixth at the Mexico Open. So that is now three top seven finishes in his last three starts. He's 7,500. Greg, sorry, did I cut you off there? No, well, Lipsky was one of my uh, 10 guys I wrote down. I'm sure one of them is going to hit at least, but it was a ceiling week for him last week approaching the green. He gained 9.99 strokes approaching the green last week. Uh, and again, coming off the Zurich Classic, he had a, a really nice finish there. And it, it seems like there's a little bit of momentum going for him. So, He's an interesting play, um, but there's one other guy I wanted to bring up, and it yeah. was um, he was also in my list of 10. Hard to miss one, but Lonto Griffin mm. and um, Lonto to me, this is the kind of course where you play him. If you're a, a Lonto lover like we tend to be here, yeah. this could be a place where you come back to him because his short game is the biggest weakness and it's a bit. It's a real weakness for him. And I, it concerns me. 
but it doesn't really concern me at a place like this. You saw on your model earlier, it was among the least important aspects. Mm-hmm. And this is a guy who's starting to drive it like Lanto drives it again. And he's starting to get it, get it going with the irons again as well. And I, I like the, I liked what I saw from him last week with a T 15. So I, I think, I think his game could really fit here too. Uh, Kyle Stanley, not in the field this week, but I wanted to just look at that victory from 2017. He lost 1.1 strokes putting. That's that's all it is, Kyle. Just lose a stroke putting and you, my friend, can find success. Unfortunately, has not happened enough. Not in the field. That's a shame. Going back to a place he won at. Tough to see. Yeah. Let's move on to the real value range. That's the $6,000 range. Again, massive. Svensson Stewart, KH Lee, Scott Piercy, Steven Yeager, Sun Kang, Tyler Duncan, all of them at $6,900. The min price golfers for this week, uh, Greg Odom. Is it that Greg Odom? Is it uh, wow. of, from Ohio State? Of former NBA fame, uh, Greg Odom. Is he now a golfer? Guys, next thing you know, J.R. Smith is going to be golfing. Oh, wait, that's an actual thing. That would almost yeah. be. Yeah, reasonable. Greg Odom, how, how would you get clubs fit uh, when you're probably, <laughs> what, seven foot tall? That'd be tough to do. Um, well, you first of all, there are a couple of options. You're going to need custom cl- custom fit clubs. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and it's not easy. So I don't think this is 6'10", Greg Odom, or seven foot <laughs> Greg Odom. Because right. that guy was, he was a big man. And I remember him looking like he was, probably 50 years old as an 18 yes. year old in college. Yeah. <laughs> That's he was, what he was 19. He looked, Oh, maybe it's great. Oh, Greg Odin. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Jacob, in the ch- Jacob, finally, after let us call him Greg Odom for five minutes, just jumped in and said, aren't, aren't you thinking of Greg Odin? Yes, we but are. Then, but then there's Lamar Odom. So it's like, there's too many things happening with that name. Oh man. We butchered the whole thing. Anyway, <laughs> he's $6,000. Also Brandon Matthews, Bo Van Pelt and Bill Will. William McGirt. Uh, see ya. Save us. Guys in the 6K, where can we go? Yeah, I think it's it's pretty rich in the 6K range up top. Um, I like Tyler Duncan quite a bit. So he's going to break a lot of – he broke a lot of hearts last week. But most of that was because he lost almost six strokes short game. I think it was almost four and then two, four putting and then two around the green. So I don't expect that to happen here. I think he's a good course fit. I liked him last week, and I know it's a slightly different setup, but – I like him a little bit this week as well. Did you always play have... Tyler Duncan last week? Oh, maybe it was just me. He was talked about a lot. So I actually didn't look at his ownership percentage. Check it out. I, I think it's at least going to be a little higher than you think. He was 7,200, if I recall. And he sort of fit into a lot of lineup constructions in terms of how people were built. Okay, nine 9.8%. That's more than I would have thought it was. There we go. Um, yeah, so I like Tyler Duncan. Uh, I, I considered Adam Svensson. I don't think I'm going to go there. Uh, Ryan Armour is going to be a popular pick in this range. Another guy that broke some hearts last week, but I think is an, obviously a great course fit. He's going to keep it in the fairway. His long iron game, like I mentioned last week, uh, is actually quite good. So he's he's really, truly a great course fit here. Uh, a couple other names I've sort of glossed, uh, glanced at. TPC Lee, of course. And uh, Danny Lee. I think Danny Lee is interesting. He can sometimes pop with the ball striking. It's super high risk. uh, And the putter is usually not very good. But 
when he does pop with the ball striking, it, it's usually pretty solid. Uh, maybe I should have brought this up at the top of the show, Greg, but I think th- Sia just reminded me talking about um, Ryan Armour breaking some hearts, talking about Tyler Duncan breaking some hearts last week. Aren't these like the exact opposite golf courses? So like if you had a guy who is known for accuracy, not distance off the tee uh, and missed the cut last week, that shouldn't have been all that much of a surprise, right? Considering the way that we assessed Vidanta to be generous off the tee and playing long, like back to back weeks where it's a completely different setup. Shouldn't, shouldn't those heartbreakers be back in play? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, Absolutely. And the, it was a air, air it out off the tee last week. And you saw it on the leaderboard. Everybody on the leaderboard was averaging over 320 off the tee. And it, it turned out to be a real separator over four days. You know, after the first two rounds, it wasn't. It was much more mixed. And it, re- it, uh, it was something that caught my attention. But as the weekend progressed, the long hitters really prevailed. I don't think that's going to happen this week. Again, I, I think it takes away some of that advantage. So these other skill sets, Tyler Duncan, for instance, he he gained, he missed the cut last week, but he gained over two and a half shots approaching the green. Yeah, and he's been moderately gaining, you know, since the Puerto Rico Open, uh, which was back in March, early March. So he's been hitting the ball nicely, and I think he's a, a a very playable option this week. And I wouldn't worry about last week at all. Yeah, and look at where he's had success. Uh, Harbortown, T12, that's kind of your accuracy yeah. course. Um, Corrales actually rates out as a place where accurate drivers. Yeah, to do it's well. not that long either. Yeah, T28 there. Like this, I'm not a Tyler Duncan guy. There, This is a Tyler Duncan week. Like, it has to be. It has to be. Yeah, Um. I, I think so. He'd be a guy in the 6'10 range I would definitely be uh, highlighting and looking at. Um, if there is a Tyler Duncan week, I think this I think this is it. So I wouldn't worry about your heart getting broken last week, Sia. Uh, Anybody else here, Greg, in the 6'10 yeah. range? Yeah, right below him. Um, Austin Smotherman. I think if you're a team yeah, no puck guy. Back to Smoth. Right, just go, go back to the well. He probably has, uh, you know, hurt some feelings the last couple of weeks. But it's keeping the price down, and I think this golf course could be very well for him. What he's done with his tee to green play has been really, really impressive. I shouldn't say tee to green; his ball striking. And you look at some of these golf courses where he's really struggled uh, around the greens, and they're all pretty much, with the exception of Valero, they're they're Bermuda, Bermuda grass greens, and it, it's a very different style of short game. And coming up here to Kentucky Bluegrass and some more bunkers and a little more tradition, I, I think it could give him some reprieve around the greens. Uh, and again, not an area that I'm thinking is critical this week. Um, then I go I go down to the next guy on my list is Sam Ryder, who uh, this is kind of just a, a feeling that he's going to turn a corner. I really liked what I saw at the Zurich Classic. Uh, and then again, that's eye test. There's no data to back it up, but I, I really liked what I saw. He was playing with Doc Redman uh, and he seemed to be hitting the ball really nicely. And it seems like there's a little bit, uh, he's turning the corner with his game a little bit and it's, um, it, it's getting better. I clicked on, I clicked on the wrong name. Um, so it was just the Zurich that we saw and it's been really bad before that, but I liked what I saw at Zurich. 
And I think it's, I think it could turn a corner and this could be a good course for him. Again, it's a flyer and it's the opposite of everybody else. When you look at that profile, it's the opposite of everybody else that I really like this week, but I'm not afraid of that in this range. No, um, neither am I. Uh, I have seen every time they show Sam Ryder, Greg on TV, they, they show the, they show the ace. They show yes. the ace at, at, at WA. He's, he's hopefully getting that, that pip money, uh, getting those. He's uh, gotta be on the list. <laughs> So constant. So I want to fully endorse that Austin Smotherman call. I think that's a great call. And I do want to point out another young gun that rates out very similarly to Austin Smotherman, who kind of is just crushing it in the ball striking department, but he has, has limitations thus far with the around the green and the putter and it's Hayden Buckley. So I think you could kind of almost slot Hayden Buckley and Austin Smotherman sort of in the same spot in terms of what their potential is on this course. Here's Buckley. Ooh, look at that off the tee number. Once you get to the three, that's that's pretty good. Yeah, he is, uh, oh boy, not a good putter. Not good around the green. Everything else, great. That's good stuff there, Hayden Buckley. <laughs> um, all right, gentlemen, anybody else in the 6K range before we uh, before we move along? I got two more names. Yeah, hit me. Uh, Kevin Chappell. He, ha- he has my interest. So kind of a throwback, right? A, a very Kyle Stanley esque play here. Yes, yes. Um, but he has he was tied 29th at the Zurich or 29th at the Zurich, tied 18th at the Valero, tied 15th at Corrales Punta Cana Championship. They uh, took the resort and club out of there. That's part. Yeah, the best part. Um, he had a nice putting week at, at Valero, which I really like, and I I think this might be a healthy Kevin Chapel coming back into form and his profile through uh, his history when he's been healthy has been uh, this kind of golf course. So I, I think he's a really interesting play and I'll throw one more out there an ultimate team, no putt guy with serious value. Um, and he, I can't quite tell if he's a fan, if the show is a big fan of his, but Paul Barjan. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> right. I mean, he hasn't made any cuts. But boy, is he hit it good. He does hit check, it good. Check it out. I mean, it's great, right? This ball mm-hmm. striking is really, really good uh, of late. Putting, not very good. And look, let's fit the, let's uh, stick with the strategy here. And if you, if you need a 62K guy, let's jump on Paul Barjan. Oh, I was, I played a lot of Paul, Paul Barjan during like this, this area. Sony. American Express, then probably too long into these missed cuts here. But uh, hey, sometimes you just got to roll with your with your yeah, guys. It might be time to come back with them. <laughs> all right. so you don't need to twist my arm. I'll do it. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, see ya. We have uh, learned that the uh, world famous uh, see ya Mac Daddy narrative lineup is <laughs> nice. is quite is quite popular. Uh, do you have something to feed us? This week, so a couple things. I, I um, I've I've been receiving some tweets, and this week I got a tweet from John Markowski, and it's better than last week's tweet. Better so than most. It's better than most. Uh, so he he has a really well good Wells Fargo Bank one. Before we even get to that, let me. I had one that that I was kind of workshopping uh, regarding Potomac, Maryland, but I'll just go with the um, Potomac. Maryland or the Potomac Matland lineup where you have a lineup of all mats. Oh, and here wow. we are. There's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. Wow. Yeah, it's big time. So obviously that's eight names. You can only fit six in there. So I went with Matt Fitzpatrick, Matt Jones, Matt Kuchar, Matt Naismith, Matt Schwab, 
I'm not going to call him Matthias for the purposes of this, uh, and and Matt Wolf. So uh, a lot of Matts in there. You can swap out Matt Wolf if you want for. Let's see, who did I? Oh, Matt Wallace. Of course. Matthews is probably cheaper than Matthew Wolf, but his min price, Matthews. Yes, and Wallace. He, he rips the ball. Fair enough. Uh, and Wallace is sixty six hundred, I believe. So he's he's four hundred cheaper than Matt Wolf. You're leaving money on the table regardless. But that is the um, that is the all Matland uh, lineup uh, right there. I didn't okay. So we learned that the all alliteration lineup would have won like five grand. We we learned that. Uh, I don't remember the entirety of the alcoholic beverages one from last week, but it had two of the six optimals in it with Lipsky and and John Rahm and Coke. Uh, mm-hmm. So and so, Rye Rye played great too, right? Yeah, That's Rye right. whiskey play and Steven Yeager and Kelly Craft Jaegermeister and Kelly Craft beer also made the cut. If it wasn't for Chaser Seifert, that literally probably would have won a tournament. It was that good. So. <laughs> Fitzpatrick Jones, Kucher, Neesmith, Schwab, Wolf is the official t- TPC Potomac lineup. It is. And if you want, you can swap out Wolf because I would understand that. And I, if, if it was me, I'd put in Matt Wallace there. Okay. So that's, that's, that's Sia's. Now, John Markowski, he wasn't he the inventor of the, uh, of last week's narrative lineup? He was. And he is coming strong with this one, as you can see, Rick. Oh, wow. Okay, so this is my first time seeing this. So John Markowski tweets. uh, We have this up on YouTube if you're watching. Wells Fargo, a financial services company. That is correct. We're off to a great start. (laughs) Seamus Power Broker. Jason Day Trader. (laughs) Matthew Wolf of Wall Street. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Matt Dow Jones. I that's, think that's the best one. <laughs> I love that one. 401k H Lee. Let's I think that's go. my favorite. That's pretty good too. <laughs> Get your retirement plans in order. <laughs> and finally, finally, Peter, you line of credit rounding out Brilliant. this team. Wow. For uh, the record, that wow. leaves about four to five K on the table. Nice. It's, it's great. It's it's an all timer, John. Wow, that's it's so good. And, and it, by, for the record, it's not even it's not even a bad lineup. You know what I mean? Like this fits. I mean, I I think this is a decent lineup. It's uh, Matthew Wolf is in both of our both of the narrative lineups, which I suppose is a little bit scary. But yeah. um, I guess that means he's a must play. A must play. <laughs> ceiling week for Matt Wolf. <laughs> Uh, we we need to get John his own segment on the show. Just have him check in every every Monday afternoon for like this three minutes. Like John, come on and just like give us your give hey, us your. Best it's, it's this fantastic. Everybody else out there, you're you're competing with with John, who's who's carrying around the gold medal right now. But feel free to to tweet narratives as the as the weeks go by. See, I'm, Peter, Peter, you line of credit is really good because it's just it's the sound. It's not even the spelling. 401 KH Lee is 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 pretty, pretty dang awesome. Yeah. I mean, you got to be thinking outside the box to come up with those. It, it's phenomenal. John must work in finance. Right. Like this is this is pretty good. I mean, if you don't work, I mean, I guess, but. Oh, see, see trying to take it away from like anybody no, no, come I, up with this. I'm just saying like, the, the U line of credit, I think is the one that I think tips, tips the hand that perhaps he does work in finance to your point. Wow. Uh, I don't know how you're going to follow it up, but anything, any final thoughts here, uh, gentlemen? Oh no, we have first round leaders. My apologies. So we've already been, 
We've already been uh, aware of Cam Young, 40 to one first round leader. See ya. Who else you got? So just keep in mind, this is subject to change based on tea times. I, I do know up in that sort of Northern Virginia, Maryland area, it's going to be warm for most of the week. And then you're going to see some rain like Greg suggested over the weekend. Uh, so I, I think I'm probably going to be looking for morning tea times again. I'll obviously monitor that. So Again, subject to change. If some of these guys are going out in the late afternoon, I'll, I'll probably switch them out for somebody else. But uh, Cameron Young, 40 to 1, like you said. Keith Mitchell, 50 to 1. Sepp Straka, Greg's boy, 50 to 1. I had crossed out Vegas, but it looks like he's in there. So Jonathan Vegas at 65 to 1. And then finally, Luke List at 90 to 1. I think that's all just great value. There you go. All 40 to one or longer, Young, Mitchell, Straka, Vegas list the first round leaders. Okay, now, gentlemen, I open it up to any final thoughts before we get out of town. I can't wait for this week. There's so much to like, uh, and it's going to be really fun to put them together. Yeah, it's going to be easy to build lineups. So uh, I think it's going to be easy for everybody to build lineups. So just kind of keep that in mind. Keep some pivots in mind to to switch up your lineup from from the guy next to you. Or girl next to you. We will be back Tuesday morning. Mega preview pod. That's storylines, best bets, one and done. Make sure you go vote now. The fan one and done vote. It's open. The link is in the description. Get your entry in because we need it by Tuesday morning so that we can announce it on the air for now. Big thanks goes to producer Jacob. Does all the hard work behind the scenes. That's Sienna Jad. You can find him on Twitter at Sia Najad and that's Greg Ducharme you can find at the real GFD you can find me at Rick Run Good this has been the first cut and we'll catch you next time Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.